You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, Oniro Trello. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to a night, late night edition of Gate 7 International. I am your host, Adi, and I'm joined by our very special guest, Brian, from the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast. Brian, how are you doing today, buddy? You know, it's not too bad. Uh, it's a lovely fall weather in the Midwest of the United States of America, and it's a good temperature. It's very picturesque, and uh, it's a hell of a lot better than the way the Eintracht has been looking of late. So, uh, yeah, let's rip open the scab and dig your fingers right in there. Looking forward to it, guys. Before we get moving, please, if you haven't done so already, please like and subscribe. Help us bring about a larger Olympiacos community. Gate 7 International here. We are brought to you by the fans for the fans. We are trying to do everything we can to make the Olympiacos name bigger, and only you guys can help us do so. Uh, now that that is all taken care of, let's get started with a little bit of a background, Brian. Uh, give us some insight uh, how you became a soccer or football fan, and also tell us how you became a Frankfurt fan. So first and foremost, how did you fall in love with soccer? All right, so I grew up uh, playing soccer uh, here in the Midwest of the United States. Um, started playing, started off at a uh small high school was able to work the work up the ranks i played goalkeeper my entire life and then i got to this school for high school and like yeah either you got to be better than this guy who is six foot two and i was only five three at the time or you got to play out in the field i'm like well crap i guess i got to learn how to play midfield <laughs> so i uh basically decided i was just going to be a midfield destroyer and kick the living heck out of everyone's shins and legs and uh i made a good i made a good time of it in my high school years um i started losing a little bit of the i kind of lost a little bit of the love when i tore my achilles tendon but the it was really redeemed in the fact that uh <laughs> yeah it wasn't the funnest of injuries to come back from but then the 06 world cup came around reignited my interest in football and soccer and foosball, as the Germans call it. And I bought that my old man whilst we're watching Germany take on uh, Italy in the semifinals. Rough one, that one. Uh, I bothered to ask my dad, hey, uh, so our family comes from Germany many, many generations ago. Um, where exactly was it? And he's like, oh, it's somewhere near Frankfurt. Start looking up. I'm like, I wonder wonder how they have their league set up over there because I was pretty a novice when it came to understanding anything that was not major league soccer when it came to domestic soccer leagues around the world and I found that Frankfurt was indeed a massive team I saw that they had the eagle as their crest I'm like I'm American wow that win win there and then I saw the fans just absolutely 
just going crazy uh, cheering on their team. And I'm like, fan fanaticism, you know, connection to my background historically and being able to just wear the eagle on my crest as an American. I'm like, well, I'm sold on that. Go figure that when I saw us first start playing in uh, the UEFA Cup in uh, 2006, 2007 in the group phase, little did I know that uh, that was uh, the best that things would be for for nearly a full decade <laughs> to come. So, uh, yeah, I was not uh, I was not uh, warned of how hard it would be to follow the Eintracht. But, hey, you know what? End of the day, uh, I wouldn't trade them for any other club, not even for Big Bad Bayern. Oh wow, that's an interesting story. So you do, you are actually ethnically German too, and that's where uh, some of this came from. Hundred percent, and I, it, it's really interesting that a lot of people who follow any of the Bundesliga teams, it doesn't really matter whether it's Eintracht, Schalke, Dortmund, eh, a little less to extend Bayern. You find that if you are usually within like four or five generations, typically. Uh, you do kind of lean towards where, where your heritage comes from, and a lot of people have found themselves uh, cheering on German clubs. You know, when I run across the occasional Mainz uh, uh, zero 05 fan, uh, I scratch my head and wonder why they want to pummel, why they want to be pummeled week in, week out. This is one of the local rivals for Eintracht, in case anyone is curious. But you know, hey, it's all in good fun, just as long as you don't cheer on for Bayern which is, you know, the big monster that they are. We usually just all enjoy and revel in the fact that whenever we play Bayern, and when we win against Bayern, like we have done this season, we then like to sing about the German song that uh, says, when you translate it to English, pull Bayern's lederhosen off. <laughs> I do like that. I do like that. We have a couple comments here. Uh, what is the time? I know, buddy. This I told you, this is a late night edition. And by late night edition, I do mean a late night edition for you. It is midnight for those of you guys that normally tune in Central European in Greece. I think it's about one in the morning. So kudos to you guys for catching in. Uh, our Australian contingent, Johnny Tzabukas. Good morning, boys. Looking forward to the match on Friday. Yeah, that's right. Australia, you guys are way, way far ahead than we are here. So thank you guys that are waking up with your coffee. Thank you for tuning in. Well, Brian, I wanted to uh, jump in right in. Let's get right into it. Uh, Frankfurt, from how it seemed, has lined up a few different ways so far to start the season. I've seen 4-4-1-1, 3-4-1-2. What's going on here? What is is there a is there a set formation for Frankfurt or you, is there an experiment? What's going on here? You kind of brought up that the the season's been a little bit all over the place. You've beaten Bayern uh in our DMs you guys mentioned that there was a lot of people upset over the the recent loss, the first home loss of the season. What's going on here, man? Uh, right, so uh, to fully answer that, I need to take you back a little way. So uh, within the Bundesliga, uh, it's a weird thing. Uh, coaches will be hired on in like early spring for the for the upcoming season, and then they'll basically just have these coaches that are just kind of like, you know, eat. It's a weird situation. So uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, tapped the coach of Borussia Mönchengladbach. Gladbach. 
to switch to them. Bruce Munich and Gladbach participating in the Champions League knockout phase at the time. Yeah, they knew that far ahead of the advance that they were going to be hitting up those guys for their next head coach. Gladbach in turn turned around and tapped up our head coach because it also didn't happen, it happened to coincide that our uh, sporting director and CEO was already headed out the door and had recently announced that he was headed out the door to join Hertha BSA, the team who we lost to the weekend. And then we took Wolfsburg's head coach, Wolfsburg, who finished in fourth last season. So huh, they uh, had no problem with going outside of the loop, but it was a very, it's a weird German thing that I still don't fully understand. And so we went from a high-flying attacking coach who implemented those ideas into the team, which really fits more the Eintracht DNA deep down inside. And we have a guy who can produce results, but, well, uh, paint drying is about as entertaining as Eintracht plays these days. Let's put it that way. And we have yet to find out how to best uh, implement a strategy that is successful. You can beat Bayern by playing out of your skin, but you need to be able to also beat the other little teams who have more of an identity. And the Eintracht is just kind of all over the place and uh, tough times. So the way the way that you're expressing this right now, uh, in in the comments, there are With some deep fans. Deep <laughs> I'm getting that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I think some of our fans, in at least in the comments, are going to be a little bit more positive on that because a lot of them, uh, you know, uh, from Xipna crew here, to be realistic, I don't see us winning in Eintracht. Um, uh, Costa CP here, uh, the game is going to end in uh, X, uh, X or two. Um, uh, two is possible. Uh, he also brings up here, but I don't think... Uh, oh, he doesn't think Frankfurt is much better than us, but a lot of people here don't think it's going to be easy. So a lot of us feel that, well, one, first of all, for context, Greek teams generally don't match up well against German teams. Um, the last time I think that at least Olympiakos did well against the German side was when we beat Borussia Dortmund, and that, but that was about a decade ago. Uh, I believe, or almost eight years. Yeah, almost a decade ago when that happened. Uh, German football in general, and I think this is fair to say, more than fair to say, is stronger than Greek football. The German league is stronger than the Greek league. Uh, just the, the style of football tends to be better. So that's more why I think the fan base is less, um, we'll say, high on our chances, at least in Germany. But your frustration with Eintracht seems to imply that maybe there's a chance here. What, I mean, what do you think? So formation wise, you said that everything is ugly. Um, what, what are the weaknesses? What do you see as the weaknesses of the team right now? Uh, we can't score goals. We have scored no more. We have not scored more than two goals all season. So the finishing that is flat, fit, that, that is flat. That is ish. The major issues and uh, if you want to look back in our last three matches, uh, uh, so that's uh, our Bundesliga match of this past weekend, and then you had the Bundesliga match on the other side of the international break, and then you had the Europa League match. Take those three matches. Two of the four goals are from a penalty. So, yikes. Not exactly creating the greatest of things. Yeah, we used a penalty to be able to uh, beat Antwerp, whilst you guys were thrashing uh, scoreline wise, 
uh, Fenerbahce, well done you. Uh, something we did not do, <laughs> I should point out. Uh, we conceded uh, an ugly, ugly first goal, and I still don't understand how we were able to get the draw on that. But yeah, if you take away that Bayern game, there's not been a lot to cheer for on the season. Uh, scoring goals has not come easy. We, I mean, to give a good example of how bad it's been, uh, Sam Lammers, uh has joined Eintracht from Atalanta and Italy. And in his very first matches is how much lacking of confidence we currently have in our players when it comes to the attack. He had a one-on-one with the keeper, and he missed not just the keeper, but the entire goal frame itself from about 20-some-odd yards out. And all I could do was just, you know, smack my head against a wall and just ask why, why, why. (laughs) So if folks are really worried, uh, just be worried about uh, how you're going to score against the Eintracht. Th- I'll put this uh, down to Glasner in that he's really done well when it comes to organizing a defense. Now, is it perfect? No. He had uh, some really good defenders at Wolfsburg, which allowed him to basically get by with just scoring one to two goals per match. And he also had a huge, huge uh, target man striker doing that. Now, uh, at Eintracht, we don't ha- exactly have that. And our defense has also got quite a few older players in it. So, kind of have to do, make do with what we got. And so far, it's leading to mediocre results so far. And uh, so, yeah, so long as you, if you guys can find the back uh, of the net from a set piece, which we are weak uh, at defending set pieces, then, hey, you got a real good chance at a coming away with three points in Frankfurt. I will warn any traveling fans, though, uh, we love to outdrink you when it comes to inside the stadium, outside the stadium. So if you're hoping to come out of the, to uh, uh, our stadium with no friends, you're not going to, you're going to fail. You're going to meet some of the best friends you've ever made in your entire life on an away trip and uh, eat some good food in the meantime and just enjoy yourself in the stadium. Just please make sure if you shoot off any flares or any smoke bombs, just don't burn down the seats. <laughs> well, you know, I, we can't make any promises because, as you very well know, Greek fans do love their flares. Uh, I know oh, we are uh, very pyro friendly in Frankfurt. <laughs> very pyro friendly oh, Frankfurt. I will make sure to pass that on. I know two of our hosts, Costa and Lambro, will be there at the game. They will be in the away section. They will be cheering the team on. And actually, always the- try the apple wine. Try the local apple wine. You will uh, not. You will not be able to say no to it. And then you'll just want more, more, more. And uh, it also gives you a nice buzz afterwards. Oh, I will 100% pass that on. And your comments brought up. Uh, they lead. They segue perfectly into this comment. Erithrolevki um, Mastura is asking, does Eintracht have a good fan base? If they don't, I feel that the 2000 Olympiacos fans will push the team for the win. So what's the stadium atmosphere going to be like? Well, uh, right now it looks like we're all, we're going to be capped at about 35,000 fans. Now, they had plenty of fans in attendance against Hertha Berlin, but I will say this much, none of the old, for the most part, the ultras are staying at home and watching on TV. Um, the, a lot of the German ultra movements that are all around the Bundesliga, you know, you got great, to be honest, even Bayern Munich has got some great, uh, ultras fans and they're all to a T saying, Hey, we want to be back in the stadium, but we feel that we should not take up the seats until everyone is allowed in. Now that's, 
very that's a loaded answer uh especially during these COVID times and normally uh the Colts Arena I should say uh Deutsche Bank Park known um more commonly known as the Waldstadion, its historical name, is usually a loud fortress of 50,000 screaming uh, German uh, soccer-loving maniacs with a couple thousand permitted uh, visitors who we treat uh, with open arms and welcome them with beers in hand and bratwurst outside of the stadium. It's actually a great uh, festive atmosphere that you usually get as you get out to the stadium. So it's on the south side of the city, right by the huge uh, airport. And, you know, you get off on the the train stop, the subway uh, elevated train stop, and you walk through the forest, you start smelling, well, maybe one or two guys lighting up a doobie. You know, as, as can be smelled, uh, guys uh, drinking beer when you got to go. There's plenty of trees around for coverage there. And then you got the sausage uh, vendor sellers as you're walking up to the stadium. So it's a really wonderful match experience. And one that, whilst it won't be as loud as normal, the European match against Fenerbahce, uh, and there was only about 25,000 fans in attendance for that one, it was a lot louder for the European matches than it is for the Bundesliga matches, but there's a lot of angst that comes with the fact that the full the stadium is not full. They want to have a full stadium. The ultras want to uh, stick back home until that such time as everyone can be all together. And when it is all together, it's uh, like the stadium in Piraeus, a loud, uh, vociferous atmosphere that a lot of people walk away from and say, Wow, I'm glad we got that point. I can't believe we got three points here. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, you, a lot of what you said is definitely, I'm going to forward that over to Costa and Lambo. They're going to be happy to hear that. They're definitely looking forward to having a good time. Uh, and it definitely seems that that atmosphere is going, even, even through COVID times, it's going to be a good atmosphere. And we're excited to hear that. Uh, now, I do want to rewind a little bit and kind of go back to the formation and tactics because you have piqued the interest of chat. You have piqued the interest of some of the fans because they're interested in some of these struggles that Frankfurt are having. Are having. Uh, and the question I wanted to have was, uh, I briefly touched on this earlier, but how much of that do you think is, because I'm looking, I'm looking at uh, through Scout here and some of the stats, and I just see form, like literally it's a different formation each game. Is the lack of a set formation and maybe set tactic, is that is that maybe part of it? Maybe that inconsistency? What do you think? It's part of it. Um, it's Oliver Glasner, uh, the manager of Eintracht, the head trainer, trying to find out what his best team is. A joke that was said on our most recent podcast of Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt that just dropped in the last 24 hours was one of my co-hosts said, it's like as though it's Bachelor in Paradise. He just, I just tries to offer a rose out to anyone and everyone, put give everyone a chance at making the uh, first 11. And, you know, without any consistency, you know, uh, you get no results or you get no girls to say yes to your rose. So uh, it's, a, it's very much a testy time. Uh, the amount of matches that Eintracht is playing kind of just shows that we didn't have the full squad depth, even if we had finished in fourth, uh, which we got picked uh, in the last couple of weeks of last season. Pain that, you know, able to move on North Life because the Europa League can be, can be fun as we have experienced. The, 
issues the defense in midfield have got there's a lot of uh there's a lot of drawbacks uh, the team does not have a lot of depth uh, there's been a lot of movement of players in and out because of so much uh instability at the very highest level of the club because so many guys have moved out it's really it's it's a crapshoot at what you can expect, but so long as uh, uh, Christopher Lins is out injured, the Eintracht will be tinkering with their formations uh, until basically everyone is all healthy, or specifically he is healthy, because Glasner typically likes to go with a uh, kind of four-two-three-one, uh, which is what he uh, utilized at Wolfsburg. But he hasn't had the he hasn't had the players to be able to fully uh, perform that, and we're kind of making do uh, with a very patchwork team at the moment. And it really sucks the fact that because the offense is not really doing much of anything, you got your best attacking player in Philip Kostic playing out on the left, but the guy's having to track back so far into his own half that the guy is just exhausted and unable to kind of perform as he usually can. Now, he had a wonderful, as I mentioned, we had a wonderful match inspired. Sometimes just magic comes out of nothing, but, you know, it. nothing is set in stone in this team. This team is kind of fluctuating up and down, kind of like a bobblehead, and it the fortunes change with every match. Now, you are also segueing into something else I wanted to ask you. You brought so you brought up some of the player related issues. Uh, and Kostich, were uh, is that am I pronouncing it correct? Kostich, Filippo yeah, Kostich, Philip Kostich. Philip Co- so, yeah. um, one of the things I wanted to ask you as part of the struggles, uh, you had some, uh, or at least one really big ticket sale over the summer. So, it, yeah. are some of these player changes maybe also affecting this? Because Andre Silva, you guys sold to RB Leipzig, and that was big bucks. So, eh, pain, painful big bucks. Painful uh, big taking bucks, money yeah. from Leipzig, taking money from Leipzig was rough. You'll take money where you can get, uh, but at the end of the day, when you're having to sell to one of your Bundesliga rivals, it's really painful. When you're selling to Leipzig, who now almost every single club uh, within the Bundesliga and within Germany is a fan-owned club, with very, very few exceptions. Those exceptions historically are Leverkusen, which is uh, Bayer, uh, Bayer uh, Chemicals and Aspirin Company, uh, runs that as a factory team, historically speaking. And you have Wolfsburg, uh, in case anyone has never seen their shirts, it says V-Dub right there. And uh, the biggest uh, auto factory in the world is in Wolfsburg, and it takes up about half of the city. It's huge. And that was set up by Volkswagen. Um, Taking money from these busy drink guys who just kind of come in, spend their money, and are not part of the community atmosphere that is the Bundesliga, it was really, really hard to agree to terms on that. And yet there were supposedly rumors that we could have gotten double uh, for what was uh, out there from uh, a couple English clubs that were uh, sniffing around. It's a shame, really, that Newcastle United did not already have their, uh, you know, wealth fund from Saudi Arabia take over their club because they definitely would have paid big, big euros uh, to have taken Andre Silva off our hands. But it really worked on the fact that you take off the tip of the spear 
and then you just kind of have the other you just you just got this pitch uh, just kind of pitchfork and two prongs and it when you switch to a different style it's it's been rough going um also it was part of a huge transfer uh saga to kind of make it very concise uh, even though I'm not I'm not one who <laughs> likes telling short stories um uh, Lazio from uh so I was heavily interested and they're not known for paying out uh, when it comes to Italian teams they are not they got a stingy owner there who pisses off their fans but they started doing this hashtag free Kosic movement well the reason why is because uh at first Lazio uh tried to put in an offer for Kosic well the email address was slightly altered, uh, the one that was provided. A little dirty tactics, maybe, but you know what? They're, they're a big world player when it comes to the transfer market, just like Eintracht. And it's kind of like, you know what? If you, if you notice that something's off, how about you just pick up the phone and make a phone call? Uh, well, they didn't do that. They eventually got that fixed, sent in the offer sheet for the transfer, and it was for half of the evaluated amount. For Kostic, barely even 10 million euros. I mean, it was just a paltry sum. And so the Eintracht was just like, eh, no, you can't put in another offer. They only offered, what, like 13, 14 million, and we were expecting 30. And so the club was in like, yeah, no, no thanks. And at that point, uh, Kostic realized that these shenanigans were not something that he was okay with. So he pulled out of training the day before our match with Bielefeld. He did not suit up against Bielefeld. Transfer window ended. He went off on international break. He came back and said, you know what? I'm ready to pull up my socks and play for the Eintracht and pretend like everything's in the past. And he's done really good. But everyone else has been – there's been multiple players who have wanted to leave. Uh, Dajic Mata is one. Uh, another one is uh, uh, you, I mean Eunice. He's been wanting to get out. It's it's un, it's made the club unstable, and it's going to take a long time for us to move out the players who need to be moved out, so that you can have players who want to play for the Eintracht, because this is a very passionate club, and we don't really like it when some guys just kind of want to just hang around for one to two years, and then you know just go off and uh, play for someone else. We're not we're not a club who likes that. We like guys who are long haul style guys who wear the crest on their shirts. Oh yeah. No, there's uh mercenaries have less and less of a role, I believe, because I think fans are turning on them more and more, especially as we see the game uh, continue. People want some a player that's gonna, you know, live for the crest, so to speak. Uh, you also had another player that uh, found his way out the door that made his way to one of our rivals, Ike, Mr. Zuber. Uh, what about him? Was he uh, was he somebody that yeah, maybe? Uh, yeah. So background on him. Well, okay, so it's kind of weird. Uh, he was mostly an off-the-bench sort of guy. He was that kind of reserve who uh, played in place of Kostic when he would get hurt. Uh, when we needed to do some squad rotation, he would be a guy who'd play on the middle of the pitch or out on the left. Uh, we got him on a player swap with uh, Hoffenheim. And I thought he did a really, really good part. But I also noticed that he probably wanted out because playing for the Swiss national team as a starter 
you know, you're going to kind of want to play every week as a player at your club. So uh, he told his agent, get me the hell out of Frankfurt. They seem to not want to move Kostic. That means I'm going to be on the bench. No thanks. Get me out. And uh, the first club to step up and fork over a couple million euros in front charge. Uh, whilst also taken out on loan was a uh, AEK Avatar, as you I think mentioned, and so, well, let him tear up the trees that he wants in the uh, Super League of Greece, uh, just so long as they pay us our due. And when it comes to euros, hard cash, please, no IOUs ever accepted. <laughs> Not in the banking capital of Europe, which Frankfurt is. Those skyscrapers don't build themselves. So yeah. He was a one point guy, but it's kind of hilarious that he, you know, is doing good there. And it's like, you know, dude, you didn't have to go. You could have stayed and fought it out and probably fit in rather well within uh, Oliver's kind of general, like, try a different formation when something doesn't work sort of setup. And uh, he probably would have found himself uh, a role in the starting 11, but, you know. He decided that he wanted to uh, scream and rant like a little girl and throw his toys down and just storm off like a little toddler. And it's like, no, fine. You're in timeout. You're off and you're off you go. Off to Athens. You go. Not Piraeus, where you guys are based out of. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, we we see that he's doing good. And all I can say is, like, you know, good on you for doing good. But uh, you know what? You know, you're going to have to kiss a lot of bums to be able to put on uh, the black, white, and the red of the Eintracht next season. Well, we'll see how we'll see how that shakes out. He's uh, definitely doing pretty pretty well in Greece so far, uh, and all I can say is I'm glad he's not going to be playing against us uh, for you guys in the upcoming match. But uh, speaking of perhaps some other danger men, uh, you already brought up uh, Kostic already. Now, he's a guy that everybody has already been talking about as somebody we need to watch out for. Uh, he is leading your team in assists. He also, I think, is the leading goal scorer as well. Is that correct? Um, I think he's tied for goal so far. He's, uh, the man The man is uh, got an engine that does not quit. Think of – no, I can't really – Think of a winger who was on the 04 Greece uh, Euro winning side, but let's put it this way those guys ran like the Energizer Bunny. They had no quit. This guy has yep. no quit. The guy has great technical skills. He's able to whip in a cross for the left side that I would say you cannot buy that within the current market share of European players. And we have benefited from a very long time with him as being our best player, and he's the most dangerous. He takes a lot, almost all of the set pieces that are taken are done by him, with few exceptions. And when he goes at players, he's able to make turns that, on a dime, can open up space, allow him to make a cross or take a shot, as he did uh, just watch the uh, match-winning goal against Bayern uh, to give us a scoreline of 2-1. to one. Uh, he just turned uh, the Bayern defender inside and out. So, yeah, it's kind of like a, he's a, a version of, in, if you give me a little bit of flexibility here, he's kind of like Aryan Raman. You know that if he makes his cut, 
he's going for gold. The question is, is your keeper going to save him, save the ball when he tries to shoot for the far post? Because he used to do that shot all the time and would always come close, but no cigar. And uh, now he's been able to find a way to hit the back of the net. So watch out. What about, uh, so he would, I guess, be the obvious choice, but is there anybody else that we should be watching out for? Somebody maybe that has a tough presence in the box or a different winger that has some pace or some speed, uh, a particular attacking midfielder or midfielder that is a bit of a tactical mastermind. Is there really anybody else that we should be watching out for? Um, As of late, we have guys who have produced but there's really no one else who's producing right now. Unless you, if it's a set piece, if it's a corner or a free kick where Kostic is not going to be able to whip the ball uh, in against the keeper and needs to go for a guy to put his head on the ball, there's one player who does do that. And with great effect, that's uh, Martin Hintreger. He During the broadcast, you will find out they will start talking about a guy who wants to make his living by flying rescue helicopters in the Alps. That is this guy. He plays the accordion. He loves Star Wars. The man gets drunk with fans uh, in the off season, which is meant that this season he's looked a little uh, overweight. <laughs> to oh, be wow. fair, the guy, is a, the guy is an absolute character. And when just to put it into perspective, so Bayern Munich is one of the hardest teams to play against. Um, in his five matches he's played against Bayern, he has, so far, four goals scored, all from corner kicks. Against the same team. Against a team that has run away with the Bundesliga title each of the last nearly four full decade and has multiple European crowns during that time. I mean, the guy, just, if, he, if he gets his head on the ball, uh, well, he might as well be running back to the center circle because it's going in. So definitely a tough uh, set piece uh, threat that we have to deal with and a tough presence in that yeah. box. He's and built he's, like a uh, wardrobe and he moves around like one. I think it would be the right kind of phrase. He's not the most mobile guy. So he can run fast if he wants to, going downhill that is. Uh, but if you're wanting him to be zigzagging about, he's not exactly got the most agility in there. But he's just a huge mammoth presence who would probably – uh, if he's going up against, you know, a tree winger, if they tried to run into him, they would just fall down. Uh, and he would just look down and kind of ask, are you okay? Uh, because he didn't move. And uh, the other player just ran into a brick ball. Wow. So that actually might shape up for a really interesting matchup because uh, we have a new a new forward, Tequinho Suarez, that we brought in over the summer who is turning out to be uh, an absolute animal. I mean, this guy runs for everything, gets very physical with the back line, uh, definitely not afraid of a tussle. So I see uh, a matchup I'm going to be looking out for, uh, a very, very physical uh, Scandinavian versus a very physical Brazilian. I'm excited to see how this pans out. Assuming Tiquinho starts, that is. It definitely has the makings of a, of a clash I want to watch, that's for sure. uh, We'll we'll kind of take on any and all comers. It doesn't mean that we're optimistic about the result, but we'll just, just, we're the kind of club that just is like, you know what, that's who we're playing this week. Let's go. Well, you know, the, uh, I, I gotta say, you know, I was a little bit of a downer kind of going into this, you know, I mean, the, when, when we were thinking about our matches, when we first got the, the, the groups drawn, 
And we saw who we were drawn against, Fenerbahce, Frankfurt, Antwerp. We, we saw that our first game home against Antwerp, we expected a win. We got the win. It wasn't pretty, and we probably didn't deserve it, but we got the win. We went to Turkey. We absolutely just showed up and surprised everybody and took it to Fenerbahce, got the 3 nothing. We weren't expecting it's a win like there as either. Though you guys, your players actually knew about the geopolitics that they would have to deal with if they did not come out as winners and just said, if we don't win this, we might as well knock them home. Well, you know, I'm very impressed that you're aware of that as well. But, yeah, they showed up. They made us proud. Uh, and it was a huge thing for us to get that win in Turkey. Uh, but, again, going – we saw this – we see this picture going away to Frankfurt. We saw this as a, hey, if we could get a point out of this, we're happy. But we weren't expecting anything. But your uh, negativity, we'll say, your frustration with the struggles of Frankfurt kind of has me feeling a little bit more positive now. Like, hey, maybe there is an opportunity there. And I think this is the perfect time because we're coming well, – this is – about the time of the podcast that we do it. I want some predictions. I want some hot takes from you. So uh, you gave us kind of a little uh, background look, or I should say a, a look behind the curtain, what the tactics are like, what things are going on with the players and personnel. So what is your prediction for this? And you can be honest. If you think you guys are going to win, you think you'll crush us, please just tell me. I want a prediction from you, a score prediction and a hot take. Who's going to score, you think, if you think anybody does score? What's going to happen? Um, I think you guys are going to take the lead early. I think you guys are going to take the lead early, and you're going to be happy with it and start wanting to bunker in. And Eintracht will start trying to loft in some balls, uh, primarily from Kostic out on the wing. I think the only way that Eintracht is actually going to score a goal is if a penalty is called. So, yeah, I'm going to – I don't know what kind of betting odds you can get from William and Hill or whatever betting shop that you might use. Uh, but I would, if I had to put five euros down on, you know, a flyer on this match, I will put it down at Eintracht will score via a penalty kick. And I believe that it's going to be a 1-1 draw. And it's going to be one that us as Eintracht fans will think, not again, because most of our matches so far this season have all been draws. Wow, I like that is a, a very, very interesting take. I love that. I love that. I love how specific that was, too. Um, for, uh, hey, for me, and, then, and we'll make sure that you guys are not going to go through all six matches of this uh, Europa League campaign with six wins. We got to we got to <laughs> get you guys a blemish somewhere. Hey, if we get six wins out of this campaign, I will be elated. I will be jumping Plus for joy. I'll do something nice stupid live. Too. Yes. The bonuses will be nice, too. You just got to hope that Maranakis doesn't spit it on his uh, new English toy. <laughs> well, we'll I, th I think they right now have the a view the other way around. But uh, for for my prediction, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm still I'm still going for I think it's going to be a, a draw. I think it'll be ugly. We kind of grow into these games a little bit slow. We don't press very much to begin. We feel the teams out. Um, but. We also have our own struggles, uh, mainly with the the quality. We'll say quality opportunity creation. It's kind of inconsistent. We make we make some good opportunities here and there. 
in Europe, I think it plays to our strengths more because we can sit deeper and use some of the pacey guys we have on the wing to counter. And that's how we got to Fenerbahce. And I think um, if we're smart, that's how we're going to approach this game. So we'll see. I, I still think in the end it'll be 1-1. I, I could see us maybe starting off well, but then getting then trying to pack it in early and holding a one-game goal lead and conceding a penalty or just getting outbossed on set pieces. So I think a 1-1 is where it's going to be. I think the goal will come from uh, he's been on fire with these lately. I'm going to choose our 20-year-old baby Kamara, Agibu Kamara. We all call him baby because he looks like a child. But uh, he's been on fire with some of these games. He's full of energy. Uh, I, I think maybe we'll get another one out of him. And I do think we concede one and we we come home with a draw, which I think everyone in the end would be happy with. Well, um, I'll put it this way. If the Eintracht does be a loser in this one, uh, the Frankfurt fans, if they are really drunk and really pissed, they'll just rain beer down at our own players rather than you guys, to be fair. <laughs> I do love I that. I think it happens. It happens. That. When we lost the Derby... What was this now? Five seasons ago, we lost the first uh, Hessian Derby in like 20 years to our local rivals, Darmstadt. No, little rivals. Uh, they're a smaller club, but they beat us one nothing in our own stadium. And to give you an example of when Eintracht fans are angry and pissed, we're going after our own team and being angry and pissed. And the fans, the ultras, started streaming onto the pitch after the first, after the final whistle. And to voice our complaints, demand that the players explain themselves for their poor performance. And that, and during that time, you just hear this thud, thud within the stadium, and you see lines of police with riot shields and horses all kind of drawing up like Roman battle lines or, you know, uh, Greek, uh, that. Greek Spartans just kind of lining up in a row, just kind of ready to, to combat the fans, and they're like, "No, we're done. We're we're just ripping the our players a, a new one because they screwed up. No, we're good. Bye, bye now." <laughs> I love that. We're in some ways, it does. Yeah, it kind of sounds like base. some Greek fans, to be honest with you. Uh, Greek fans are known to do very, very similar. It's like an everyday thing here, man. Uh, in fact, uh, our buddy here, uh, he agrees. That's an everyday thing here. So, you know, in some ways I always, you know, you always think that it's like your country that does that. So it's nice to hear that it happens somewhere else too. I do. I do love that. Well, uh, as we begin to wrap up here, Brian, um, I wanted to give you a chance to, uh, to let the fans know where they can find you, where they can find you guys at your podcast. Um, uh, it's the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast. Let let our guys know where they can find you, where they can follow you. Yeah, so Twitter, that is at H-E-F pod. Uh, you can find us also on Instagram, Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Yeah, just, you can find us on all the various locations where you, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you like. And uh, you know what? If you're not interested in German soccer, You'll enjoy that our segment breaker is called hashtag what are we drinking where we just talk about beer for, you know, one, two, uh, even up to seven minutes. And we've got one guy who is a home brewer. So it's a it's an always entertaining podcast. And we got jokes. We got laughs. We got uh, alcohol suggestions. So 
yeah, climb aboard the Eintracht train if you need to follow a team uh, in the Germanic sphere of the football landscape. Well, I definitely am going to be tuning in, if not just for the the you know the drinking the drinking suggestions. I'm all for that. I will definitely be tuning in to listen to some of that. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, especially those of you that made it this far. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, help us continue to grow this community so we continue to produce content like this. As always, everybody. Guys, we here at Gate 7 International, we do this. This show is completely by the fans and for the fans. Everything we do is for us. Uh, no mainstream media nonsense. We are here to bring something different and something that you guys will enjoy. We're so pumped for this game against Frankfurt. We are so pumped for this. Lambro and Costa are going to be there. So if you guys are going to the game, any of the Greek fans that are going to be there, make sure you, if you see them, say hi. We're so excited for this, and we will be coming back to you for post-match once the game is over. So thank you, everybody, again. This is Gate 7 International. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL. Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Three losses, Tomialo Katimajiko.